Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Southcombe and I'm joined by Andy Howell. Good afternoon, eh? How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, uh, Matthew. Now I've thawed out from yesterday's uh, Wales training session <laughs> at the Principality Stadium. Unfortunately, the roof was open, so it was freezing and a bit of a chilly one. Do you, do you buy into that whole if the roof shut is a bit warmer in there? I'm not sure I buy that myself. I know we've absolutely. Had this. Well, it is. It is when he's got a, a big crowd now because well, the, uh, the heat is generated. Isn't it? Body uh, heat. Any more to do with the fact, fact. That they're shooting off fire flames and fireworks <laughs> and all sorts before the players come out. Of course, it, of course, it's warmer with the roof is closed. We, you know, you you live in a house. Would it be colder? <laughs> would it be colder <laughs> if it didn't have a roof? House, yeah, <laughs> um, all right, then let's get into it. Uh, one storyline has dominated the agenda in the last sort of couple of days or so. In the last week, it came out that. Doddy Weir's foundation were not receiving a direct contribution from the unions, um, uh, from the profits from this game at the weekend, even though they're playing for the Doddy Weir Cup. And obviously, there's a, there's a lot being done around this game to promote the, the fantastic cause. You know, motor neuron disease uh, is fund aiding research into that. Um, a lot of great stuff being done, but they weren't actually donating money. A lot of pressure came on over the weekend from journalists, from fans. Um, came on to the unions to, to get this donation, maybe a slice of the gate receipts or the profits from the game. Um, as it turns out, now it's been confirmed that the unions will donate a six-figure sum to the Doddy Weir Foundation. What do you make of the whole episode um, and do you think it's that the right thing has been done? Yeah, I think it's the right decision it just, and, I think, and it shows the power of social media. Once uh, some journalists almost started a... Uh, campaign the public soon jumped on the uh, bandwagon and really forced the Welsh and Scottish rugby unions to take action yes what they were doing uh, was raising a, a awareness of a, you know it's a horrific uh, um, disease I suppose and um, so they were raising awareness of that and they were doing a lot of good things but I think that uh, they were personally myself if I was going to this match as a paying uh, spectator I would have only gone to it because to support the Doddy Weir uh, cause I would not buy a ticket myself uh, to watch Wales play Scotland in a non-Six Nations uh, uh, match if it wasn't for such a, a, a worthy, worthy uh, foundation. I think perhaps uh, some, and of course they were using his name in, in my opinion to try and sell tickets for mm-hmm. the match. So because of that, they should give. They should have given, and I'm glad to see they are now giving a contribution towards the uh, fund. Personally, myself, I thought they should have given one percent of the. Um, gate receipts divided by um, uh, 50-50 between the Welsh and Scottish uh, unions because of course Wales are, play, are paying Scotland start money to play in this game like they play uh, like they pay um, Australia and South Africa when for matches outside the um, official uh, window and they're going to bank a lot of money mm. you would assume from it so yeah give a contribution I think it's uh, I think it's great you know if they match like the money that's raised through the bucket collections or through the um, dinner the night before the game it would be marvellous yeah, be it's uh, it's interesting to see how quickly this all sort of started to turn around on the unions. I spoke to somebody on Sunday who, who was well placed, um, and the impressions I got were that um, they weren't very happy with the way things had, had sort of turned on them. They they said that th- this has all been done with the best intentions. Obviously, the unions have pointed out for a long time that. Uh, there's a dinner going on the night before, Sean Edwards and Gregor Townsend Q&A to raise funds. There's a bucket collection. 
Um, the charity is going to be very visible on the day in terms of advertisement uh, around the ground, etc., etc. Um, so they were they were a bit disappointed with the way um, things had turned on them. Uh, and at that point, the impression I got was that do a donation wasn't in the immediate sort of agenda for them. Mm. Um, so I was quite surprised to see how quickly that turned around. But well, that's quite social social media for you, isn't it? And there was it, you know, there was calls even for people to uh, boycott this game, mm. and uh, that's the last thing, wasn't it? Uh, the unions would want. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, we live in a reactive society today, don't we? We uh, to social media and events and a lot of things. Uh, you know, a lot of things are almost like twenty four hour, forty eight hour campaigns. Everyone jumps on it, yeah. and uh, and they've acted. Uh, perhaps they made a mistake uh, initially when they announced this game and. At, uh, uh, by uh, not uh, perhaps not pointing out uh, sufficiently that there was uh, that you know what they were uh, what, what they were doing and there was no uh, no um, at that stage no direct contribution from the unions to the um, to the fund. Yeah, I mean when when it was announced, I thought it was a at, at worst you know I thought it was a, li a little bit cynical um yeah. of, the, of the unions to attach the cup to it in almost a way of justifying the fixture yeah um, and that's how it began to look over the weekend yeah. then to the general public yeah. when this all came up I, I think we discussed that privately at the time yeah and that was part of the feeling in uh, in our office mm. and then of course uh, um uh, last weekend now has come out now other people have uh, have uh, uh as it's got close to the game have discussed it in detail found the same thing and uh, you know have uh, gone public on it mm, absolutely well at least at least Dolly Weir's foundation is going to see a significant contribution now as a result of Saturday's match so I think most people would agree that the right thing is being done um, and now everyone can just focus on raising awareness for what is obviously a very worthy cause and and hopefully the match goes off and, and the foundation gets a lot out of this this occasion and um Touching on, on the game then, uh, you've been, well, and a lot of people were, given access to Wales's open training session earlier this week, uh, yesterday. Uh, what did you, it's not something that Wales do a lot of, not something a lot of teams do a lot of these days. Um, what did you make of the whole occasion and, and how did it go, what was going on? Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was a good occasion for a lot of youngsters to be involved. Um, and they watched Wales train. Uh, Wales are doing a lot of, um, you know, they went for their warm-up routines. They um, split up into smaller groups and did a lot of stuff. Uh, it was hell of a heck of a lot of youngsters there. And I think they did lose a bit of interest uh, as it went along because I think they would have probably preferred to see, uh, you know, more of the Wales have like a bit of a practice run out to sort of teams up facing each other, if you like, even if they were playing, you know... Uh, like a train, bit of a training run out, a training game sort of situation. But of course, you're not going to have that a few days before a test match. So maybe there was a lot of youngsters there who perhaps didn't really understand what was going, uh, what was going on. Um, uh, I also thought as well that they uh, perhaps Wales should have added uh, um, uh, um, someone on a on a, a professional presenter there who was doing interviews, uh, doing more interviews with like Paul Tristridgen, the um, fitness guy, Sean Edwards and uh, other members of the Wales coaching staff as it was going going along. You know, there was some interviews with uh, uh, Sam Auburn and um, Ryan Jones in particular. And do you know what the, the thing that stood out for me yesterday? 
where Sam Warburton is still the most popular rugby person, if you like, in Wales mm. by a mile. Yeah. He was the player all the kids were interested in. Yeah. And I, he could still be there now signing autographs because the queue was that long when I left. <laughs> and, you know, what an ambassador he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, so it was uh, good that, you know, he didn't learn a lot from the session, really. Yeah, I was going uh, to come on to that now. You, you, they keep the cards close to their chest. Yeah, they did. Right I now. think I got some inklings of guys who may uh, play uh, this weekend. Yeah. But there was a lot of, uh, of uh, chopping and uh, changing, changing bibs and uh, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and you know they did a lot of landing drills the boys tried to put on a bit of a show with some tricks they were doing <laughs> and stuff like that and little yeah. pods uh, yeah so it was uh, it, it was okay um, yeah, uh, it was okay but uh, like I said the start of the show was still Warburton <laughs> there you are then um, I, t- I suppose moving on to the next point obviously last week um, we had some Terrible news that uh, Warren Gatland sadly lost his father last week and had returned to New Zealand to be with his family. Our, our thoughts are obviously with him at what is obviously a very difficult time. Um, looking at it from a Wales perspective then, how did you get a sense yesterday for how they're managing this period? Because obviously he's, he's, been, you know, he's been away for a while now and, and will have as long as he needs, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that transition is not perhaps as difficult for them as it might have been for other teams is that fair to say that is uh, absolutely spot on Matthew because uh, Wales has been through this be, uh, this before be, when Gatlin was uh, on a sick at one time when he was injured uh, uh, when he had a severe foot injury so he wasn't around for a while and of course when he's been on uh, uh, Lions sabbaticals Rob Howley has been uh, head coach of the team um, for a couple of campaigns um, and Robin McBride had as well when Howley and Gatlin were both actually on the Lions tours um, so yeah, it's nothing uh, new, and it seemed pretty seamless to me. You know, Howley's the main man when uh, really when uh, Gatlin's away, and it was just uh, business as uh, as normal. The only thing that was noticeable, of course, is when Gatlin's at training sessions, he, he stands there, and you can see he's watching every little detail, mm-hmm. and he is the absolute uh, you know master. You could tell that the players hold him, and it's still hold him in a bit of awe yeah. after all these years. You know, he's uh, he's the main man. Yeah. And, uh, Rob obviously Rob does. Uh, things in a different way and he's actually doing some coaching uh, during the sessions but yeah, yeah but generally it's uh, carry on as normal yeah. it, uh, it was interesting to hear Corey Hill um, and, and Ollie Griffiths speak a while back when Gatlin was at Dragon's Train and just about um, the kind of impact he has just by being around the place you know everybody raises their game an extra couple of percent and I think that does speak to it like you said a little bit of an aura that he still possesses um, well, I tell you why as well, right? Because he, he's the boss. It's simple as, mm. uh, and he's a boss who doesn't say a lot really. So by not saying a lot, he generates a lot of power. Yeah, you know, he's just watching. He's watching points. He's picking up on things, and he's uh, he's a pretty, he's a pretty, he's astute. Is it? Um, and obviously, the fact that they've got a largely settled squad at the moment. That I mean, I'm sure it's this is a very simple way of looking at it, but it. It almost runs on autopilot at times that camp because they have been together as a group of players for such a long period of time. Well, that's a benefit Wales got, isn't it? Because all the players are based in uh, all the Welsh players, which is the majority of the squad, are based in South Wales. So it's easy for all, all of them. You know, all of them. I imagine in an hour at the Vale Morgan headquarters. Mm. So you know they train there a lot. So they almost like a, if you like, they almost like a fifth region. Mm. You got the four regions plus Wales, and uh, and so everyone knows each other. 
so well and it's all and of course they are together so often because Wales have so many campaigns play so many matches yeah. they are almost like a, a second club if you like mm. and uh, everyone seems to get along of course they helped enormously by winning and they? they had a fantastic tour yeah. Uh, the summer they won their three uh, test matches and they finished runners up in uh, six nations and uh, they got more strength in depth than ever uh, so things are looking pretty rosy yeah uh, all that said then let's look at the game for a second on Saturday um, do you fancy Wales in that they've got to be fancy surely in, against Scotland well against Edinburgh and Glasgow uh, <laughs> well, oh, it's, interesting, it's interesting this point has been raised <laughs> yeah. as well but in, in Scotland essentially Edinburgh against Glasgow anyway Edinburgh, sorry, Edinburgh and Glasgow well, it is with a few, merged with a few, few quality exiles like they're, better, like they're uh, arguably the man who makes them tick yeah. Russell. So do you think they'll miss their exiles more than Wales will miss this an interesting point because you know you've got you got Finn Russell, who's obviously the main man. Yeah, but he was shocking against Wales last season. Yeah, he was. But yeah. he's hot and cold. But he's a player I rate highly because he's so exciting. And he can and he can set things, he can set things alight. But I I must say I'm looking forward to seeing uh, uh, the boy Hastings. Gavin Hastings, the great Gavin Hastings son Adam. I assume he's going to be picked at number ten. Yeah. I am looking forward to seeing him play. I've seen him play in pre-season. Uh, match on a couple of other games and all he does look a good player and Scotland like Wales really they need backup in certain positions mm. so uh, yeah I think he'd be uh, uh, he'll be pretty good yeah but they definitely miss Finn Russell I don't think miss Greg Lee not so much to be honest he got some really good scrum mass yeah do you um, so touching on the point then are Wales expected to win this one yeah of course they should be yeah it's in Cardiff yeah. Wales have smashed them last season never lost to them in Cardiff under Gatland I think we only lost to them once during his nine years, mm. and uh, we got the Indian side over him, so we should uh, we should beat them. Uh, well, it'll be interesting how Wales treat this game. Will they go in uh, fully loaded, um, or even? So an insider said to me yesterday, we don't know our best team anymore after the summer, which is good. Uh, Wales got so much competition for places, and will, or will they purposely experiment in some positions for this match before fielding? Uh, uh, what they think is their best team against Australia. Mm. Um, so, you know, if Wales feel the weakened team and Scotland come full strength, offers Scotland more of a chance. Uh, and Scotland are on the rise. Greg is a, an excellent coach. Um, um, but, you know, I, Wales really, Wales too much power for them last season. Mm. I mean, it's that last season when Wales went to that campaign, there was a lot of talk when like, Scotland were going to win and all that. And I remember talking to Gatland privately before the match a few weeks before and he said we're going to put 30 plus points on him we're too strong for him we've got too much power up front we're going to smash him and of course he was proved right that's exactly what happened yeah they, I remember they were very cool. they were they were very punchy before that campaign weren't they, they uh, were. Wales, and they did well after the Wales game yeah after the Wales game after Scotland we're, no Scotland did well after oh, sorry, Wales right, you know, yeah, they beat yeah. England and all they had yeah. a good campaign yeah, yeah yeah I'm with you I'm with you yeah um, so uh, it'll be interesting uh, it might be you know when Wales played you cover the game Wales against South Africa and Washington in the summer mm. it was a pre-match agreement that both teams would go, both countries would go in with weakened teams experimental yeah. teams so they'd be at much the same level is, is there something in place for this game I don't know Hi I'm Blue You know we elephants are the best parents in the animal kingdom that's why family fostering partners chose me as their mascot. There are plenty of children in this area who really need a good foster home. So I'm helping recruit people from all walks of life to become foster carers. Can you help give these kids a better future? You can take the first step by visiting our website, familyfosteringpartners.co.uk. Care for the future. It's interesting you touched on um, Wales having a bit of a hoodoo over Scotland um, 
just before the advert there, and because after Scotland Wales face Australia, oh, talking about um, the All Blacks aside, is it you know Australia have got Wales's number. The run stretches back 13 games now in a row that Wales have lost. Hmm. Um, I caught up with Sam Warbton last week. Um, there's a piece on Wales online now if you want to go read it, where he explains why it's so important that Wales actually win this game. Um, he says because of various factors, but he he basically says that Wales now have like a nagging doubt in the back of their mind when it comes to Australia. Something similar was there when it came to South Africa, and that's no longer there now since we managed to get a win over them. We've um, got a few wins over them, so each time we beat them. Yeah, exactly. I know they haven't been very strong, and, and Warbton acknowledges that as well. But what do you make of what Sam says there in terms of Wales beating Australia, bearing in mind that next October we're going to be facing off against them at the World Cup again? Um, there's a nice line in there saying it would be great for Wales to go out into that World Cup, look them in the face and say, last time we played you, we beat you. There's a lot to be said for the psychology of that, isn't it? Absolutely, I agree with, the, with him 100%. Uh, this is the match Wales must win this autumn, even if they were to lose the other matches. Uh, you know, The thing that would please me most is seeing off Australia and uh, breaking that psychological uh, barrier. We've only beaten them twice, both times now, at least since the 1987 World Cup when we uh, triumphed against them and finished uh, best uh, best of third in the world. Mm. Um, so it's a appalling record, and especially as you look in recent seasons, Australia have been uh, no great shakes. So the Scots have beaten quite regularly. Ireland have put them away more times than they are not. England got, uh, England got um, the better of them. Uh, France to beat them. Wales, despite all our successes under Gatland, we only beat them once, mm. and that was in his first uh, first first season. Uh, first season. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at them this season. They were beaten at home by Argentina, um, and they should, and they were tra- trading massively against Argentina in South America. And the um, Argentines took their foot off the gas. Nicolas Sanchez went off, and some of them back in, which. Uh, um, uh, I spoke to someone in Australia on Sunday night and he said that result was what kept Michael Cech in his job uh, and he said uh, they, he said that the Argentines had done Wales a favour because the longer Cech is in a job the better for Wales and their chances at the World Cup because mm. this guy doesn't rate him at all but um, but you know <laughs> the trouble is when we play Australia they might be pretty poor and all but they are still got skills and they still got speed and they got habit of scoring tries mm. and that's what we always find against them we might have the better some games but they find their way to the try line perhaps easier than we do that's my only concern but I'm expecting you know Wales should win this match and to be quite frank about it they've got to do you think it's that important then I mean Warburton alludes to it but doesn't say it in the piece do you know why I think it's important not just so much about beating Australia I think about beating the All Blacks as well I think you've got to you've got to crack Australia on the way on way to beating the All Blacks mm. because oh the World Cup draw is depending on how we go on Australia Wales game we could play the All Blacks before the final mm. you know I think, personally I think the best time to play the All Blacks actually would be in the final yeah but uh, you know you got to play it you know got to I think if you if you beat Australia you'll have more belief about beating the All Blacks mm. all right then let's move on then to a story that you've um, you've published today. Um, on Wales Online, uh, touch on Stephen Jones, poised to become uh, Wayne Pivak's l- l- lieutenant when he takes over at Wales after the World Cup. 
um, would seem logical uh, for many people. Uh, do you see them being able to translate the success that they've had together at the Scarlets onto the international stage? Yes. Do you want more? Do you get to elaborate on yeah, that? Yeah, I do because uh, I tell you why. Uh, because a uh, coach is only as good as his players, and Wales have got a heck of a crop of players mm. at the moment and coming through these uh, young guys. And uh, so I think the, you know Wales can prosper, prosper really with whoever's uh, coaching them. And uh, I think I think Pivot and Stephen Jones are both top operators. Uh, Pivot when he was coaching uh, Fiji got to know him a bit back then. And uh, he came across then as a really good coach, uh, confident uh, bloke, uh, knows what he's doing, strong on discipline. Tactically, they be he's been excellent with the Scarlets and uh, Stephen Jones. You know, Stephen Jones is a very good uh, rugby player. But if he had a couple of yards more pace, he would have been fantastic. You know, even better. Mm. And Stephen was he always struck me. He's one of those players, knew the game inside out, very good at what he did but could become a better coach and I think that is uh, happening uh, I think he's a good man manager he's enthusiastic he's an innovator he's full of so many uh, ideas and I think the boys will uh, he's a bright, bright book and the and uh, guys will enjoy uh, working with him in the national squad uh, you know change can be as good as a rest and I think he will be a, a breath of uh, fresh air mm. and I'm quite I'm excited I'm excited about Wales's prospects at the World Cup and um, uh, and I and also for the, the following World Cup because mm. I think uh, I've never seen this much uh, uh, strength in depth it's, it's interesting you mentioned man managers here people I've spoken to tend to say that well Pivak may not be the greatest coach per se but he is a great man manager um, based on that he will need to be surrounded by very good coaches mm. um, Stephen Jones fits that mould obviously yeah it does it does, yeah. It, you know, I think uh, that is an art, isn't it? In management, you mm. do surround yourself with, uh, you know, some some top man managers surround themselves with really good people. Uh, case in uh, uh, an example of that was uh, Rodden McQueen with the Wallabies. Took over in 1998. They were in crisis. Within a year, he delivered a World Cup, turned him into the best side in the world. Now, Rod wasn't the best coach in the world, but he surrounded himself with really good people who did the coaching. He just managed. Another thing with Stephen Jones as well is he's a lot of the players are going to be able to relate to him quite quickly. Is that fair to say? You know, given that he was he's only only left the game a, a couple of years ago as a player, um, perhaps a bit more in touch and in tune with the needs of more. I'm saying now. I mean, Pivac, I guess, has been in charge of professional rugby teams for a long time as well. Yeah. But I think that is it. You know, Steve, Stephen Jones coming in there, the players will take to him. I think it's a safe bet. Oh in yeah, that absolutely. Regard. He's a very like old bloke, isn't he? Um, of course. Uh, after World Cup, mind some of the older Welsh players that might be the end of them over uh, Wales. Yeah. So as each year passes, that there will be more of a distance between the, them and those players. Uh, mind you, I'm I'm a person of the view. You can be a fantastic coach, no matter if you. Uh, you know, 37 or 70, mm. you can still be a great coach. I don't buy this thing all about the modern game and all. I think the fundamentals are still the same. You still got a scrummage, you still got a line out, you still got the power to put opponents away. Yeah. And then the skills come on top. There you go. So, what happens to the uh, to the Scarlets and what's, what's there's a lot of talk sort of going around now. You get the impression that some sort of, you know, they, they're reaching the, the sharp end of their, their sort of business that they're doing to try and get Pivax success and nailed down what 
what are your sort of thoughts and feelings in terms of what's going to happen at the Scarlet should should all this go through and, and they lose not one but two very good coaches well I think um, from what uh, Pivot is quite open about it and uh, so is John Daniels general manager has been in New Zealand scouting for talent and uh, um, looks like uh, to me it's going to be a, a another New Zealander mm. and uh, of course it's a coveted job the Scarlets, Scarlets because they are a well known brand and they are doing so well in European rugby and uh, and in the Pro 14 so there's a job a lot in New Zealanders uh uh, or any or people, other nationalities would want because uh, it's quite rich rewards as well. Mm. Um, so I think there will be a lot. I think there will be a lot of candidates, but uh, um, I think the standout guy, uh, and this is my tip, is uh, Paul Feeney, mm. who's New Zealander, who's actually been working at the uh, Stormers Super Rugby franchise in Cape Town, South Africa, yeah. for the last three seasons, and it's almost perfect timing because the Super Rugby uh, season more or less ends at the same time as this season in. Uh, uh, for the Scarlets and his contract is up so he's, they're not going to have to pay off anyone yeah. he's already been to the Scarlets on a coaching development exercise he used to be Pivak's uh, um, assistant coach with the Auckland uh, provincial team and with Fiji Pivak said how he rates him so to me this guy seems a natural fit awesome. if it seems likely that Stephen Jones doesn't want to be a coach of the Scarlets mm-hmm. and Stephen previously told us about at the moment he, he likes being on field and all director rugby job is uh, different the other guy who's been linked with the job is Kieran Crowley, ex-New Zealand fullback, who's doing a great job with um, uh, Benetton, Benetton, but he's got another uh, season left on his contract. Mm. Now, my understanding is he's distanced himself from the Scarlet's role. Of course, he might be playing a long ball game to try and uh, get more out of him, but uh, there is um, rules in place, and they would have to officially approach uh, Benetton anyway, so they've got to be careful of the uh, and the last situation. Mm. But to me, it does look like, uh, I'd say, a Feeney. And I suspect then of Wales uh, that the Scarlets would um, would have some uh, young Welsh coaches working with them. All right, Dan. Let's take a little look at the uh, the regions before we uh, before we call it a day. It's, it's a very tough period at the moment for well for all of them, I guess. Uh, tough last tough weekend in Europe in round two, and it's been followed up by another difficult weekend in the Pro 14 Scarlets. A young Scarlet side doing well to get a result out against the Southern Kings uh, in South Africa. Uh, Dragons on, on the wrong end of one against Ulster. Ospreys getting across the line against Connaught and the Cheetahs beating the Blues uh, in South Africa. Probably fair to say that's kind of how we saw the results going before the weekend. There's no, no real upsets in there, would you say? Uh, no, I think I mean, it would be tough for the Scarlets over there. Yeah, turned out, well, yeah. turn out to be a brilliant match end to end. Some yeah. fantastic tries scored, uh, and that was a good win for him. I think nineteen players missing for that. Yeah, as well, yeah. So. so that was a good win. So that was always a dangerous uh, uh, fixture. Yeah. The the result that disappoints me the most there is the Blues because yeah. the Cheetahs and won a game. Okay, they will get strong another Caddy Cup is over. Yeah. Um, but you know the Blues they they fallen away a bit, haven't they? The last mm. fortnight they go and win in Leon, and then they. Um, and then they uh, lose at home. That good work is undone against Glasgow yeah. in the Champions Cup. You cannot lose home fixtures. And then they go to the Cheetahs, and by uh, by all accounts, it was a, a horrible performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that disappoints me. Uh, I thought the actual the Dragons played mm. really well in Ulster, apart from the defence. The defence has got to be sorted out for uh, for Bernard Jackman wants to see out his contract. I suggest because they're giving away too many uh, uh, soft tries. Yeah. Uh, they were without their. Um, Six Wales squad members, but I'll be honest about it. 
I don't. I think the guys who came in did a great job. I don't think they missed those Wales players. I thought they, they were on top up front. They played really well in that game, except for their defence. The um, was back for them this weekend. All, all sort of be. signals suggest that the Dragons put out a press release um, uh, with their injury updates. They Amos has been training with Wales or rehabbing with Wales, as you know, given his contract situation. Mm. Suggestion is he's going to be back playing or available this weekend. That's obviously good for everyone in Wales, but good particularly for the Dragons. Yeah, it is. It is, and I think you know if he if he does play and he comes through well, he was a success during the uh, June's tour. Uh, you know, he could feature for Wales before the end of the autumn series. Mm. Yeah, but of course they have got a tough fixture there, right? Out in Connacht. Connacht, yeah. You know, Connacht to me, Connacht was that game. Looking at the other fixtures, then this is going to be a talking point: Edinburgh against the Scarlets, Ospreys against Glasgow on Friday night. The night before Wales playing in Scotland, big names missing left, right and centre. Is the credibility of the Pro 14 coming under fire here? Well, it's a shame these games are taking place, isn't it? Because of this extra international match between Scotland and, and Wales. Why didn't they put off these Pro 14 games and play them again, uh, later in the season? Mm. Uh, perhaps a uh, possibility is that you know, Welsh teams may not be in the latest, and the Scottish teams may not be uh, taking part in the latter stages of Europe, so you could play them on those weekends. Or around those weekends, mm. you know, well, it's, it's a shame, isn't it? You got these big games here. These are big games, and yet the stars are not playing. It's done for the credibility of the league uh, in uh, jeopardy, but it uh, it damages the profile of the league, if you like. Right. You know, just when you think, oh, the league's getting better, the stars are playing more, etc. There's European qualification and all, and then you. Uh, uh, you're going to have a fixture like this where it's down to your second tier players well it's not just one is it it's two and it's arguably Wales' two strongest regions yeah um, obviously going up against the two Scottish sides uh, those should be two pretty tasty fixtures with all, all well they should be it all should be all, all, you know, yeah it should be yeah, yeah it should be going fully loaded all guns blazing and uh, you know uh, big crowds and um, an intensity now it's going to be some experiment. It's going to be experimental teams, but fans are losing out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, regional fans are losing out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure they must be for the situation the stars were playing. Okay, then. and just finally, before we call it time, we'll ask you for your one wish for this autumn from a Welsh point of view. For Gareth Anscombe to get a run of games at number ten for uh, Wales because they need to sharpen their attack up and uh, I think he could be the man to do it. Do you think that he will get that run of games? I, th- uh, I think he'll, he'll start against, uh, obviously he's going to start this weekend because uh, um, Bigger's not available, Dan Bigger, and uh, Rich Bastrow's still injured. Yeah, Al Howley was talking him up a couple of weeks ago, I think there's a chance he will get a, a run of games. And uh, um, what's interesting is a lot of pundits now recently seem to come round to the, the view which I have been expressing for a while that uh, that maybe Wales that uh, bigger despite being a great club player uh, Wales don't score enough uh, tries when he's at number 10 and they're going to have to really up the ante if they want to make a real impact at the World Cup so it's, and so based on that perhaps it's Sanskum or Rhys Patchell or even Jared Evans or is he, who, who is the answer? Well Jared Evans looks like he's going to just sidetrack and slightly he looks like he's probably going to get a game this weekend for Wales what's your thoughts on that? Yeah that's good yeah I think that's good I think he's a good prospect Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for, for the future, it's still pretty uh, early days. He's still uh, learning. Um, um, I think Anscombe is, uh, you know, Anscombe's got a lot more experience. Uh, he's a very sharp player, um, and uh, he's good at bringing players onto the ball and that. So, uh, 
you know, I see Anscombe as. Uh, I'd be surprised if Jared Evans comes through for the World Cup as it currently stands. I think it's like this World Cup's one too early for him. Yeah. Um, I know. Didn't you shoot me down a couple of weeks ago for suggesting a? Would I do something like that? Yeah, I did. I <laughs> sounds, probably did. Sounds yes. like something you sounds, would do. Yeah. Yes, I probably did. Um, do you, would you be comfortable throwing mm-hmm. him into that environment? See, so Patchell's back in contact training, um, but I'd be surprised if he's involved against Scotland. So let's assume that Anscombe starts and Jared Evans is on the bench. 60 minutes gone. Would you be comfortable putting him on? Yeah, sure I would. Yeah. Would, you, would you take into consideration the situation of the game or would you be putting him on regardless? Wow, that is a good question. Because why is a good question? Is I'm one of these guys who believe in national rugby is all about winning. Yeah. Um, um, and I know I know you have got strong views on making substitutions for the sake of it or pre. Yeah, I, I don't believe I don't believe in uh, those uh, myself in uh, in when games that can be tight. Mm. Um, I yeah I think Wales want you know you want to win this game. Much better than that. You'd be so if it's tight on sixty minutes, Anscombe stays on. Well, if, yeah, if he's playing well, yeah. If he's not playing well, well that's a different matter. Roll the dice. Yeah, yeah. Right. On the other hand, I think that Anscombe needs, uh, you know, needs eighty minutes. Yeah. Okay, okay. My one wish, for what it's worth, uh, I think it would probably be your second, and I'll align myself with Sam Warburton because who might disagree? But I would love to see Wales beat Scotland, um, Australia. Um, for all the reasons that we've already discussed and I'm not going to drag that out any further so to summarise um, obviously you can catch our podcast on iTunes head over there search for the Welsh Rugby Podcast give us a review give us a few stars do your thing and we much appreciate it um, we'll catch this every week throughout the autumn as always we'll probably run two podcasts one on team announcement day and one on the day of the game so you'll catch us um, the, the team announcement has been moved this week because of the situation with Warren Gatland um, so our next podcast will be coming at you after the game on Saturday um, obviously there's going to be a lot of build up before that match and obviously there's a lot of stuff going on with the regions, you'll catch all the build up to the Scotland game, all the news with the regions and the reaction to the weekend's action on Wales Online